into a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars and we'll find somewhere close with hello and welcome to the cool room uh i think this is going to be episode 51 my name is david griffiths i'm one of your hosts this evening as we record live and it's my great pleasure to be able to welcome you to what's going to be a very fun episode with the gang from Deep Creek from New Zealand. Um, I'm going to introduce everyone properly in a minute or two, uh, but as long-time listeners will know, I have a little spiel that I go through before we start, and by little I mean long and torturous. So let's get underway on, on all of that. Um, first of all, a big thank you to everyone who is joining us for the first time, either live in the Zoom room or on the podcast. Uh, it's fantastic to have so many new people coming on and joining. And if you can rate and review us via the podcast, uh, whatever app you use to listen to that, that is a really helpful way for us to spread the news of what we're doing. Or if you're sitting at home right now on Zoom, feel free to post on your socials. If you're part of beer groups and things that you're part of this, again, that's a really useful way just so that people can know that they can join us. Uh, they can join us with a tasting pack that's been delivered out this week, or they can just join us and hang out with, um, without, with whatever beers they might have. Uh, we've got a, a few bits and pieces in terms of housekeeping for those who are listening live or in the Zoom room uh, or on the podcast, I should say. Um, we've got five beers lined up for you tonight, so this is designed to be enjoyed with Deep Creek's Undercurrent, Haze, Mr Miyagi, Eastside and Paradise. So those are the beers that you need to have ready to go. Uh, if you're in the Zoom room, we're going to do the Undercurrent and the Haze and then have a little break just so that we can make sure that we've got uh, cold beers with us so you don't have to have five beers sitting warming up next to you. Uh, and obviously enough, if you're either joining us on Zoom on the podcast, if you're in Zoom, feel free to make yourself a tasting paddle. Uh, if you're joining us on the podcast, feel free to pause after each of the beers. We'll make it quite clear when we're moving from one to the other. Uh, there's some big cans and some, some big ABVs in there tonight, and we don't encourage people to drink all of the way through all of those uh, in a flat-out way. We encourage the responsible self-service of alcohol, wherever you might be tonight. Uh, if you haven't checked out some of our past episodes, we really encourage you to do that. As I say, this is episode 51. There's a great catalogue sitting there in the podcasts uh, with some great friends like uh, La Serene, Nomad, uh, Ale Farm, uh, Sierra Nevada was a real treat a couple of weeks ago, Batch last week. Uh, so make sure you go back and, and join those. And if you're not already following us on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook, uh, do that. That way you can find out about the new packs as they're coming out and the new events as they're coming up. Next week, we've got Kaiju, who just finished off a collaboration with Thin Man Buffalo, New York. And the week after that, we've got Tallboy and Moose. And I know already that the amount of uh, tasting packs we're going to have for Tallboy and Moose is going to be pretty limited. So you want to make sure that you're following us on the socials to get the heads up as to when they're coming out. Or even better, join up to our mailing list and that way you can jump on and buy the tasting pack as soon as it becomes available through our Shopify store, which is uh, exciting news for us. As of this week, we now have a Shopify store. It still looks a bit agricultural because goodness only knows uh, designing web pages is not my thing. 
But we had our first sale through that today, which was the last pack of the Sierra Nevada tasting packs, which gives you a bit of an idea that uh, things sell out. That was the last one of those. I have only one of the batch tasting packs uh, left with us. Rightio, I don't know if that set a new record for long introductions. It must be right up there. Uh, having said all of that, it's my pleasure to introduce Hamish Ward from Deep Creek. And even more excitingly, or just as excitingly, Travis Bristow, my co-host, who's going to kick things off. Travis, I'll leave you to introduce Hamish properly. Evening, guys. How are we all? Hopefully everyone's having a pleasant Zoom room evening. Uh, we're starting off tonight with the undercurrent, as David mentioned. Uh, Hamish, welcome. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, a little bit later here, so I'm probably a few beers ahead of you guys, but uh, it's all good. That's We're doing okay. our best. We'll, we'll catch up. We'll <laughs> definitely catch, catch up. Yeah, um, you'll probably let me. It's cool. <laughs> so let's start with uh, getting a bit of uh, a bit of an insight into yourself, Hamish. How do you fit into the Deep Creek family? Yeah, so I've been head brewer at Deep Creek for seven and a half years. So Deep Creek started in 2011. Um, so our ninth birthday is actually this weekend. Um, I started by two guys, basically Paul and Jared, and, uh, we were actually home brewing buddies. Um, and they had this great vision to start a brew pub. And I was like, you guys crazy, what are you doing? And then, um, they started the brew pub and it took off and it was massive success. And, um, I guess, well, I was, a, my background is being a scientist. I was a scientist at the time, um, and, a mad keen home brewer. And I kind of started my own brewing company and approached, uh, Paul and Jared to make my, start making my beer with Dick Creek. Like, oh yeah. And at that time they were looking for a new head brewer. They're like, oh, you can do that. And be, be our head brewer and make our beer too. So oh yeah, it sounds like a good, good, um, good wicket. So I did that. I started with Deep Creek seven and a half years ago and kind of dove head into it and didn't really have time to do my own thing <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so that kind of got put on the back burner. Um, but I've, I used to, recently managed uh, my wife's come on board and kind of kicked me in to doing a bit of our own beer. But yeah, we've, uh, I work, worked pretty hard for seven and a half years to, um, I guess, focus on quality. Cause that's, I mean, I like drinking good beer and the worst thing for me at the start was, uh, our beer was not that great. And I've, uh, the, the guys took me on because they knew I was a pretty good brewer. So I've worked really hard to, um, and been really well supported to um, make the best beer we can. And yeah, we've, we've had some reasonably good results nice. the last few years. So kind of turned a corner from where we started out. Um, but yeah, we started as a brew pub. Uh, brew pub was a wild success because it was in a, well, a really good location, good, and it had really good food and and 
pretty good beer as well. So that was so, going to be my sort of next next point of call. Sorry, I probably. But you've, we're going to rearrange things on our question list. So can you give us a bit of an insight? So yeah. obviously, currently for the listeners in Melbourne, we're all in lockdown. We don't get to go to brew pubs or breweries or bars or pretty much anywhere that serves beer at the moment. So where you guys are located in New Zealand isn't far from, sorry, let me rephrase that. Where the, where the brewery is now located in New Zealand isn't far from where the brew pub initially was. Is that correct in my train of thinking? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. We, so, I mean, that it's a function of the success of the brew pub. So the, we started out with a thousand liter brewery in the brew pub with six tanks. So we could brew 2000 liters a week. Uh, and turn it over every three weeks. Um, that was quickly not enough beer. Uh, we got another site uh, in Browns Bay. This is kind of prior to my time, but uh, I know the story pretty well. Um, so we got another site in Browns Bay and a few conditioning tanks. So, and then we would tank a beer from the brew pub to this conditioning site, keg there and take the beer back for serving that gave us another six months. Uh, and then we, we, we actually partnered with Zephyr Cider and took over a thousand square meter warehouse up in Silverdale, which is 15 minutes from Browns Bay with the plan to put in a um, production brewery up there. And meanwhile, Zephyr had their, um, their cidery down the other end of the building. So we kind of split 500 square meters each. Um, and then, yeah, so probably six months after I started, we um, put in the a 20 heck production brewery with, um, what have we got? We just worked out today, uh, 14,000 liters. 16,000 litres of uh, fermentation space. Hmm. So um, That's a big difference from, from the brew pub. <laughs> yeah, definitely it was a step up and it took a while for us to grow into that. So, yeah, it was, um, which is, I guess, good. But we're kind of, um, at the moment, we're, we're finding the limits of that, <laughs> that system. And, it, yeah, it's um, sure paid for itself. And, I mean, the Silverdale's... Uh, the northern extremity of Auckland. Um, Browns Bay is pretty north as well, but Silverdale is further north, but only 15 minutes away from Browns Bay. So we could still easily service the pub for deliveries and we, we were never that far away from from our, I guess, home base. Yeah, amazing. That's, yeah, and I'm sure the view from there is looking pretty good in comparison to <laughs> what we're all sitting here looking uh, at in Melbourne at the moment. So. Silverdale is pretty industrial. Eh? It's, uh, Browns Bay is real nice. You yeah. look, we're like, look out over the water, going to Silverdale. Yeah, you're just kind of in industrial land, which is good because you don't really want to view when you're like, working pretty hard and inside a warehouse anyway. So it's, it's not the, not the worst place in the world to, to work. So I'm, I'm guessing everyone's cracked open the pills by now and is uh, getting stuck into it. 
give us a quick um, a quick breakdown on the Pilsner. You know, we don't get a lot of Pilsners on the podcast, let alone a lot of craft brewery Pilsners doing the rounds at the moment. It's kind of one of those beers, I think, that, you know, there's been a few here and there that sort of hit the mark. Um, but then there's been, you know, at some times where you're just not getting a craft Pilsner anymore. Give us a bit of an idea on how this all came about and yeah, how so it became part of your core range. Yeah, um, actually, Undercurrent kind of as a as a brand predates me at Deep Creek. Uh, so it was one of the original beers. Um, it kind of got chucked by the wayside when we could only make two thousand liters of beer a week, and trying to make a pilsner and keep that in stock was just no go. So we we kind of kicked it for a while. And then once we got the production brewery in Silverdale, it kind of came back. So there's it it, it's gone through a lot of iterations in its recipe. Um, even since I uh, rebooted it, um, it originally was I guess a hybrid of New Zealand hops and uh, Czech sars. Uh, and then one year we were unable to get Czech sars. So that got kicked to touch and we kind of liked it um, more without the SARS. So we, it became a, I guess, New Zealand Pilsner, uh, exclusively uh, Macho Rekka, Nelson Sobin. Um, and, it, and, and this guy is currently, it's got, um, there was a year we didn't like the Nelson Sobin. So we, brought in a German hop, um, Hull Malon. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, it, people say that Hull Malon is like the Nelson Sobin substitute for, from a European perspective, I guess. Uh, so that's currently survived. Occasionally we can't get that and we put Nelson Sobin back in, but um, it's, uh, they're pretty much, um, they are quite similar, and I, I, I don't mind either variety. Yep. Uh, I guess it's been through a number of different yeasts over the years. Uh, it's currently, we're on White Labs 802, our house uh, lager yeast. Um, but yeah, that, that changes from time to time, uh, availability. But yeah, I, I do like the White Labs 802 in this beer. It's definitely uh, definitely hitting the spot right now. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, um, in the brewery, you know, like we make a lot of hazy IPA, uh, so the the pills that are coming through is a bit of a rarity. Uh, well, maybe every like month and a half, we we make it. Well, it, it comes through packaging, and um, those days the brewers are all around the bright tank. Uh, the sample valve was hooked up, and where where there's a lot of glasses coming out of the bright <laughs> tank to, to provide for the brewery, it's it's a very popular beer uh, amongst the brewers. So you can um, sell more that, of it, but you drink a lot of it. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. Yeah, losses, right? It's, <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of those ones. Like um, if you have, we've got infinite availability for beer. I can drink whatever I want. So. I, I get to drink what I like and I like just go back to undercurrent all the time. Cause for me, it's uh it's a really classic beer 
it's really easy drinking and it um that tastes awesome so it's it's um it's bad. uh yeah it's one of the most popular beers uh in the in the brewery definitely when that's um when it's packaging and this one took out uh, the champion international lager last year at the yeah, AIBAs. Sure I'm reliably informed by yeah, Ryan. it was um, yeah, it was an exciting moment. It was the first time I've ever been on stage to <laughs> to uh, receive an award in my brewing career. I was fucking stoked. <laughs> how many? Were you uh, dressed appropriately? Oh, I was dressed appropriately. Oh, like, how suited, disappointing! Suited and booted. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good. I, I remember going on stage and. Uh, can't remember the guy's name, but he's uh he's a big he's a big deal and bro, he's like, This is a big thing, man. I was like, Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, you're fucking telling me this is a fucking big deal. Yeah, it was uh it was pretty exciting. Yeah, I was uh there's photos of me flo- floating around, uh pretty excited at the moment at that time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So under undercurrents are a cold fermented beer. Um which is not something we've had on the podcast too often. Can you give us a bit of a breakdown on the actual brewing process, what it means to, to coal ferment the beer um, and also why, why you decided to go down that path with the undercurrent? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's a function of the, the yeast. So there's a difference between ale yeast and lager yeast, right? So ale yeast ferments warm about 18 to 20 degrees. Uh, and above. Lager yeast uh, ferments happily down around 10 to 12 degrees and yeah it's basically the top fermenting bottom fermenting um, difference. Uh, So people do make I mean yeah people do make pilsners with ale yeast. Um, I'm not a massive fan I think um, it's a little bit traditional. I like uh, my beers to be authentic, and it, yeah, it feels a little bit like cheating to make a basically a really light pale ale and try and call it a pilsner. But I mean, uh, the there's a style called New Zealand pilsner, and it doesn't have to be fermented with pilsner yeast. So uh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. That's what not what my. What you notice in my, the taste? Um, I mean, the main difference between the ale yeast and the lager yeast is you get that kind of crisp finish. Um, you've got the lotus in the pack, right? That's a, it's a, I guess, a pretty light pale ale. But the main difference between those two, because not, there's not a lot between them, is the crispness of the finish. Um, it, the lager just finishes a lot cleaner and um, yeah, has that real kind of bright, um, profile, whereas the the lotus is a little bit dirty, a little bit muddier. Um, is I mean, there's a lot more hops in the lotus, but the the way the um, undercurrent expresses them is just like really nice. There's no dry hop in the in the undercurrent. It's a purely uh, kettle hop beer, um, and yeah, it's got a real not overpowering balance. They're really easy drinking. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for me, just uh, I'm I'm a big uh, 
uh, for me, like my style of making beer, I always go for drinkability. I want to be able to have more than one of the beers that I make. I want to, you should be able, it's, I don't make beers to have a 50 mil sample. I want to have a pint or probably two or three. That's, um, that's my MO for making beer is you should be able to have a pint of it and, and want another one afterwards. So, yeah, nice. It's uh, I, I could sit on this Pilsner all night, but I feel like I, I can't because I've only got one can of it. So <laughs> slightly disappointing right now. Should, should have got two packs, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David, I should have got two packs. I'll, I'll remember that next time. Don't worry, Travis. You can, you can petition me for two packs next time as you're drinking allotment for the year. Yeah, end. I've only got one can too, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're starting to head in a haze kind of direction. Is that right, Trav? Give us. I was. Thought. You took the words out of my mouth. I was thinking that um, now that my pilsner is almost gone, the uh, the next step would be to move on to the haze. Um, so, for those who haven't opened their haze yet, or you know, are still on their pilsner, drink up and move on to the next one. I'm going to hand the reins over to David because Warren still is not in the Zoom room just yet. And David's going to take the reins on the haze. This could end up terribly, Travis. I don't normally get on the podcast quite so early, you know. Well, well, you know, we'll be okay. We can edit out bits and pieces as we go on. So just edit me out. That'll be, that'll be fine, mate. So we're going to move on to the haze and uh, Ryan in the Zoom room has helpfully changed his uh his background to reflect that fact which caught my eye and distracted me from what i should actually be talking about but i guess hamish before we even get on to some of that stuff how many beers are in your core range as you think of it and, you know? uh, people ask me this all the time i don't <laughs> um i i can't be sure uh i'd say we have about 10 kind of so we have it's Undercurrent, Redwood, um, Miyagi, Aloha, Haze, where we have things that we that come and go, beautiful Haze. Yeah, I'd say it's about 10 is our core. Um, haze is a recent addition. Um, yeah, we're, I mean, the, the trend in craft beer is towards uh, these hazy beers. I do like the hazy pale ale because it's a lot closer to a real beer. Um, but yeah, generally the the hazy IPAs uh, go away from my MO of drinkable beer or having one and wanting another. Yeah, it's going to lead to controversies the night wears on, but it's all right. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. So the haze is a, a recent addition to our core. Um, how did it start its life? Did it? Did you design it specifically to be a core range beer, or was it? A, uh, yeah, no, it was absolutely was designed to be core range. Um, so the, I mean, I, I first thought of uh, hazy pale ale a long time before we actually wound up making one. Uh, probably two years ago, I wanted to make one, um, and it. It's finally come to fruition. Uh, and yeah, we, I mean, we can't keep them in stock. It's, uh, I guess it's been 
good, but it's a, it's still a problem to not be able to make enough of um, something. And I guess that's our problem these days is not being able to make enough of everything, which is a problem, a good problem, but still a problem. That, yeah, that's a, a, everyone always sort of says it's a problem to have, but it's still a, it is still a problem. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which we're we're looking to solve. Well, yeah, we we will solve it. Um, but yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, off you go. Yeah, so I mean the the haze. It's um, to I guess it's pretty simple. It's uh, basically our standard malt base for our hazy IPA. It's kind of scaled down, and then with a little bit of uh, I guess Gladiator, which is a Carapels malt, um, New Zealand. Uh, version of Carapels and then Mosaic Mochueka, which are mosaics like a, a classic hazy IPA, IPA hop that's a backbone of most of the hazies we make and then Mochueka, which is uh, typically well, I mean, it's a SARS parentage hop so um, noble hop parentage but I mean, it's a, a New Zealand hop, which is kind of moved pretty far from its parentage. It's real uh, fruity, kind of limey. And uh, we were, I mean, I guess fortunate enough this year to get down to Nelson uh, or the, the hop growing region in New Zealand right before lockdown and do hop selection. And we, we, we bought a a ton of this and got to select exactly what we wanted from the from the hop fields at harvest time and a week later New Zealand was locked down so it was kind of just just in time really the right yeah. yeah can I ask you you mentioned the noble hops guess that's something we've never really discussed on the podcast before but can you explain to new punters what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. well, noble hops, mate, is typically um, aroma hops from Europe, I guess, uh, like Germany, Czech Republic. Um, yeah, they're low alpha, basically used for aroma. Um, in probably in Pilsners, typically, because that's what they, they tend to make up there. And then... Uh, taken to different parts of the world, or I guess it's the parentage for the for the hop. It's not the same. Like it's uh, it's been bred from, so uh, it's distant parent is the what was the aroma hop. And so you, you mentioned Sars. There were there a couple of others that you'd sort of throw in that people might be familiar with. Uh, uh, Halitel, I guess uh, Tetning. They're they're all like. Basically, think of a green bottle lager. The, mm. That kind of aroma comes from a noble hop. It's like uh, your Bex, your um, Heineken, all that. That's all noble hop aroma, basically. And you also mentioned there, just in terms, you know, when we're unpacking a few big terms that people might know, uh, low alpha. So explain uh, to people yeah, what alpha. Yeah. Uh, alpha alpha acids are the bitterness compound in hops. Um, and typically, aroma hops tend to have uh, lower alpha acid content, but 
typically a high oil content as well. So they're um, higher in aroma. So you can throw them in um, late in the boil and not get too much bitterness out of them as well. That might bring us sort of around to, you know, what flavours should people be finding in, in the beer that they're drinking at the moment then? What, in the haze, what kinds of flavours do you want? People yeah, so Mosaic typically has like a, I guess, I should probably go a little bit deeper into the hazy IPAs as we're going to talk about them. Uh, exactly bit, where we're going. Maybe, maybe I'll, uh, we're so the way, the way these hazy beers are hopped, we hop them quite early in the, typically a dry hop beer would be about seven days well, for, for a normal process for a um, West Coast IPA style would be seven days uh, and then finish in 14 or something. So seven days on hops. For a hazy IPA we'll, or hazy beer, we'll dry hop them about day three and day th day four. So we'll that's double dry hop them and um, early, way earlier in the process than typically would for a normal beer. And why we do that is where we want the yeast to act on the compounds and the hops and biotransform those, those flavors from say uh did you say uh, you're a scientist uh yeah <laughs> my background was um yeah i don't want to bore you with no uh, no no, no. we like my, back, with my background words i've but, never heard uh, biotransform right, it's, yeah. right. it's um, I, I used to be a scientist category on uh, apple uh next week david so <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess i am still a scientist i'm just uh more applied scientists <laughs> and i know that there's many people who listen to us who want to hear exactly about that i just i come from the novice yeah. side of things so when i hear those words i, I want to learn more that's what yeah I mean. so i mean there's compounds and hops that uh get biotransformed by the yeast and during fermentation from into these tropical fruit flavors so that's that's where these um the, the kind of tropical mango fruit flavors um they're basically from precursors and hops that get transformed during fermentation into tropical fruit, um, I guess, compounds. Um, and that's that's what why we're choosing the hops we choose uh, with with that kind of end goal in mind for that real soft, juicy uh, mango passion fruit. Those kind of um, real tropical fruit flavors we want to shine through in the beer. And yeah, with like kind of these beers are all about soft, soft bitterness. So they, they are quite drinkable. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, that's always the goal. Can I ask, I guess, following up on my slight knock to scientists along the way there, do you, do you think that you view the viewing process differently because of your knowledge that comes from that? Or, you know, how much of it is based on flavours and how much of it is based on an understanding of the science that sits behind the process that you, you're undertaking? Like, oh, sorry. I, I like to look at it as a, the perfect blend of art and science. So... I've come from a, I guess, pure science background, and maybe, maybe I've been a bit of an artist all along. So I get to express. It's like being a chef, right? Yeah. You, you, there's a lot of science behind what they're doing, but there's also a lot of art as well. 
uh, it's probably more art in cooking than there is in brewing because end of the day, uh, most of it is underpinned by science and it's probably about 5% of art um, melding flavors together and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I see it as uh, pretty much an extension of my old job, just I have more interesting work stories. Or I think it's a fascinating... Yeah. People's eyes don't glaze over when I tell them I'm a scientist anymore. <laughs> it's a fascinating... One of my favourite cooking books of all time was a book called... In fact, there were a couple of them, What Einstein Told His Cook or His Chef, maybe, mm. so... Um, which is all about the science that sits behind really basic cooking. It's like, you know, how to cook eggs and how to do those sorts yeah. of basic okay. things. And Science of cooking eggs is fascinating. It's like egg yolk can do so much. Yeah. As I a mean, philosophy teacher, uh, I found, you know, genuinely it was just like, why didn't I do science? I could have really enjoyed doing that if that's what it was mm. like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Having done science for 10 years before this uh, it has its moments of boredom definitely <laughs> what sort of sciencey stuff did you do back then yeah. uh, so I, I i worked for 10 years for fonterra as a molecular geneticist uh i studied for i did molecular medicine at university so basically genetic diseases of um the brain is where most genetic diseases wind up affecting um and yeah i it was i mean fascinating interesting all the time but yeah you go to parties and tell people you're a scientist they're like bye <laughs> I, I think we might have got exactly the right crowd in the room tonight to yeah, deal with this yeah. because we've got at least uh four people from wehi or the Walter. Uh, yeah, we, we used to work with the wehi yeah yeah, uh, so, yeah. So I'm not sure whether they're doing work on exactly that kind of stuff. The last time I was at WeHi, ah. I was there for malaria things. Um, but they can ask, you know, they can... Oh, um, literally, in my old job, we worked with WeHi. Uh, we did a... Um, oh, they did some work for us, yeah. Uh, it's probably about 20 years ago now, but, yeah, it was a while ago. Did you expect to be in a room full of WeHi scientists? No, 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 we did a... Um, uh, I probably can't talk about it. We did a. No, uh, that's why I'm, I'm also not talking about what I'm doing. Mice and milk. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The last time I dealt with mice was at the Doherty, which is more or less across the road for those of us who are dealing with Melbourne medical research references. But that's all. That's all good. Yeah. I remember. Uh, funny story. Oh, well, not funny. Probably pretty boring. But uh, my boss, uh, old boss from old job. He landed at Melbourne Airport and said, uh, take us to the Weehi. Taxi driver was like, where? He's like, no, the Weehi. He's like, I think they got there eventually. I have always wondered whether Weehi means something in, you know, Chinese, but I guess, you know, <laughs> Warren Wu, who uh, has joined us in the room at 7.12, and therefore some of us have lost a bit of money on the, uh, the bets as to what time he'd join us. Yeah. Well, um, your family ran a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I went and ordered a wee high. What would I be getting myself? <laughs> this is where we're going with this. Um, <laughs> I am the least Chinese Chinese person. Notice I said your your parents ran a Chinese restaurant. Was how well, I they, they did. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's that bit. There was um someone someone asked one of those mundane questions on Instagram uh, or 
Twitter or something the other day. What what's the um what's the most Aussie meal? And you can't say meat pie, and you can't say something else. Beef and blackbird. Big one. Beef and blackburn? No. no I was I was thinking the dim sim. Like invented, oh, yeah, no, invented uh, in Australia by an immigrant, only found in Australia. It's as it's as Australian as haggis. Like it's <laughs> and, and there's like and there's flavour similarities too. Like a haggis kinda tastes a little bit dim to me. Um yeah, Vegemite sandwich good one. Oh, they said no Vegemite. They said oh, sorry, someone in the room suggested Vegemite sandwich. Yeah, that that'd be a winner. <laughs> Uh, the, the, they said no good. People kept on saying Parmigianas. I'm thinking the name of the place they're from is literally in the name of the dish. Oh, it's hang on. No, this is controversial. Yeah. Tomato sauce and cheese on a piece of, on a schnitty is, is not, is not oh, something that really, was born in We've already, we've Australia already beats the to this, have we? This is a bad <laughs> sign. I think what we need to do, all of my good friends who are in the Zoom room with me, is uh, we're going to stop the record for a minute or two so that uh, Warren and Travis and I can catch Ubers uh, to a mutually agreed place and have a punch on. Uh, but the, everyone else can make sure that they have ready to go the Mr. Miyagi, the East Side, and the Paradise. So we have a little break for a minute or two, and then we're going to come back and deal with all of that. Hey there, Cool Room listeners. We've got a little ad for you. No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, so if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right, ad over. Thank you to everyone in the Zoom room who has shared a bit of a banter while we've made sure that we have all of the right cold beers in front of us to talk through for the second bit of the podcast. Those are the Mr. Miyagi, the East Side and the Paradise, just if you weren't 100% sure of where we're up to. Um, Mr. Miyagi, now we're about to move from the core range over into some of the special things. And I've got to say a big thank you to uh, Ryan from Experience It, uh, who's been an excellent rep, and I mean this really genuinely, in making sure that we have some of the most amazing, fresh New Zealand beers in our hands. We were within a day or two of getting this done right, uh, in terms of had borders held us up a little bit or other things had happened, but Ryan, you negotiated all that for us, so a big shout out to you and the guys from Experience. We really appreciate it. Um. Tell us a little bit about the Mr. Miyagi. How do we find ourselves with this one being the first of the of the three yeah. that we're going to be having from here? It's a, I guess it's a good intro to our hazy range because it kind of, it's, it's probably the first um, real hazy we made. 
we did hit, we did one maybe one or two before this, but I mean, I'll go background a bit. Uh, so the way we used to do our kind of ranges, we had a an IPA range, sour range, dark range. Um, so we we would make an IPA pretty much and release it pretty much monthly, which is it's a lot of work to come up with names and beers and tell your sales reps and do all that. So it was, it was good from a brewing perspective because it gave us uh, a lot of license to experiment and learn, which is awesome, mm. but it didn't help our sales very much. Uh, and so our feedback from our distributors was we can't keep up. We you're going too hard. So we like we we paired it. We had a good think about it. We paired it back and came up with we're going to do an IPA range. We're going to do a hazy IPA range, and we're going to do a sour range and do three monthly releases. And so we and a big part of this is your your labels for cans because we've been doing cans for they look and, awesome. And so we commissioned some art to do, um, especially for the Miyagi. Uh, we commissioned uh, one of our brewers uh, has, a, has a lot of tattoos. And so he's a tattoo artist, the Swedish guy. And our brewer was a Swedish guy as well. Um, and so we commissioned this his tattoo artist to do us, a, I guess, a, a label that we could, an image on the label that we could rotate and kind of change colors. So we'd get four labels out of this um, beer, which would be a year's worth of yeah, right. of a range. So the first release out of the range was Mr. Miyagi and it kicked the shit out of everything. And everyone's like, oh, no, that's got to be a permanent. We're like, oh, well, that's not how the range is going to work because we're going <laughs> to do like a three monthly thing and we're going to do a new thing every three months and the whole point of the thing was to only do one thing every three months and now you've created a new thing that's like a permanent so yeah we created this uh, and basically everything we did first up out of all of our ranges become a permanent on the on the line and so i i live my life trying to kill skews trying to <laughs> peer back and do as little as little as possible to well not as little as it's really hard to keep 10 beers in stock versus one beer in stock. Right. So Which is exactly anyway, right. Yeah. everything's been a massive success, which kind of sucks, but it's <laughs> but a good it problem to have, <laughs> yeah, that it sucks, again. But, it, but it doesn't. So yeah, Miyagi was our first release on the haiku range was what we called it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been huge. We, uh, we, I say we can't keep the haze in stock. We can't. We haven't been able to keep Miyagi in stock for probably two years. It's um, it's crazy how much that uh, that beer we sell. Um, we make it like pretty much every week, forty heck, and disappears. So, I mean that's 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 awesome. Is is the geisha that's included in the? Uh... Yeah, I mean that's that's what I mean. We do like these three monthly releases. Geisha is the current cab off the rank and 
we've made so that's that. in the tasting packs for people that's been that's what i had in my lead up to tonight yeah we've made that a few times i mean uh haiku which the paradise is kind of based off was um uh, in that range so yeah east side i guess is based off that although it's a like one-off it wasn't really a it's for something else we'll talk about that later on um yeah uh beautiful haze was uh in the pack it's uh it was supposed to that predated miyagi that was i guess our first real one and i've been trying to kill that forever but it just <laughs> keeps on it keeps on we make that as much as miyagi pretty much uh and it's too many people's favorite beer to kill so um Oh, yeah. Sorry, what about the Miyagi makes it stand out in in terms of flavours? Like if we were looking at that, you know, what would... Yeah, we... so, I mean, it's a hybrid uh, US Kiwi hop. So it's got a good dose of um, mosaic, which is like probably the best biotransformed US hop. We're going down um, the the scientific route for why it's why that's used, uh, and then Rewaka and Mochiweka as well. And there again, Rewaka is probably the highest biotransformed hop um, from the Kiwi stable of hops, and Mochiweka again, uh, uh, another goodie. Mm. So it's it's got some really good potential for biotransformation and but yeah it just comes through as a like it's lovely tropical fruit salad on the nose and um good soft ot wheaty uh malt base so it's just a real soft fruity beer it's yeah real easy drinking and like the uh, bitterness is pretty low, good tropical fruit. It's, uh, yeah. It's tasting beautifully and yeah. it's sort of so fresh and crisp as well. That's the, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, these beers are definitely meant to be drunk fresh and they they, they don't last. Like, the so um, we're, we're stoked that we can get um, beer so fresh to Australia and I mean, experienced it to it. Uh, do a great job of um, looking after the beer and getting beer to you guys. Super fresh. Mm. I mean, you know, we've got the next couple we're going to be tasting have both been packed in June as well. So, I mean, it doesn't get, by the time it's actually travelled across the sea, it doesn't get over here much quicker. It's pretty hard to get it fresher unless you, like, put it in your suitcase pretty much. Yeah. And and break some COVID lockdown laws and things like that. Which uh, yeah. Encourage, so... You know, it's you can do that though. We've seen that in Australia at the moment, David. That you can break COVID laws going uh, interstate. So why not to New Zealand? Now, just to change the subject away from that and onto poetry, which is you know far more my sort of style. This would be a real test as to whether uh, you know the questions. You know, Hamish has read the questions that we sent through earlier on about um, tradition of hazies. Is you know obviously about the haikus. Um, do you have a haiku that you've written today as we'd sent through this morning in preparation about... Uh, there's one on every can, though. Check can you the label. Check can the you label. Yeah. Hazy APAs, seasonally inspired, seasonally brewed. 
Mm. Yeah. It, it, we, yeah, we we thought about this. We put on the. We put you on thought the about having an English teacher one day interviewing you on a podcast at uh, <laughs> nine thirty p.m. over in New Zealand. No, no, this is the, this is the thing. We like we thought about it. The haiku. We wanted to have a competition where we'd like throw it out there. Best haiku gets some sort of prize. I don't know what it is, but. And, and, then, and how's that plan gone? Has there been any prizes awarded yet? Uh, it's interesting. There's another brewery in New Zealand that's done, a, that did do a haiku competition because they had kind of similar branding and we were like, oh, well, it's kind of done and dusted. It's not for us. So It sounds like a very simple way out of actually not having to judge a haiku competition. And I'm all for not judging haiku competitions. Uh, it's beyond my capability. So. <laughs> <laughs> When you said that there was haikus on the on the can, I started reading ten cent refund deck collection. That's not a haiku. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the Australian haiku. That's a <laughs> that's a government mandated haiku. Oh, Whenever I get elected to public office, the first thing that'll ever happen will be government mandated haikus. I'll give you yeah. a tip. No, no pregnant chicks shall drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you've obviously given us a bit of the, was the, uh, was the geisha, um, labeling out of the same, uh, tattoo because it's uh, no, like such an old school tattoo. Different artists actually. So the, the artist for that used to be one of our barmen at Browns Bay and he, he became a tattoo artist probably three or four years ago and, uh, we approached him probably last year to do some label work for us. So well, I can't remember what his first one was, but it wasn't Geisha. It does uh, look like a, that looks like an old school style, as we'd say in the tattoo. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're currently working on the yes, transition to what the next thing is, and it's probably oh, three months away. We'll. Um, make a clean break and work out what the next um, range is. But, uh, I mean, it'll definitely be a hazy range. But um, Miyagi will be a permanent. Um, it's, yeah, just the other three monthly releases. Oh, Haiku will be a permanent as well because that's in supermarkets. So, yeah, we've, I, I spend my time trying to kill these skews, but they just keep on coming up and... How much work is it for you? How's you know, I mean, I'm not being well, every every other beer you need to make and keep in stock, it's like uh, it's a headache because that's one more thing you need to worry about. So, uh, it's I, I envy the big breweries that like I need to make Heineken, uh, that's all I need to make Heineken, keep it in stock. It's like, well, okay, I've got 10 things I need to keep in stock plus three new releases for the next three months. So uh, it's... All you need to do is put Heineken it, into a Liverpool can and you've doubled your sales, you know, for... Yeah, a, so I, I can't keep my um, biggest sellers in stock anyway. So how do I justify making a new release? Yeah, well, it's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, no no one else from Deep Creek will be listening tonight. But you know, if you uh, had a wish, if you had a wish list, what would be the next? Who, who would I kill? More fermenters? Do you who need would I more? Uh, no, funny story. We just uh, we ordered a bunch 
bunch of new fermenters today. So, um, yeah, we're, I mean, we're trying. We, we want to keep everything in stock. It's the, like, everyone wants it. So we got, we've got to... It's just your opportunity to tee off with a wish list of the next things. If you've ordered them, you don't need those. Uh, what do you need next then? Uh, well, uh, we've got new things. A couple uh, more brews. My, my wish list happening, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I've got a wish list and it's happening, so it's cool. <laughs> now, we might just give people a second or two to sort of finish off on the Mr. Miyagi before I throw over to Warren on the east side, except mm. maybe he's already made faster progress because I've been talking too much there. So, uh, I think... No, just... No, I, I um, yeah, I've, I've started it, but that's, that's par for the course when it comes to... My rate of uh, drinking. But yeah, the Mr. Miyagi was tasty as. Um, so I might just, just while everyone's cracking their next beer, I might start on, on the east side. So this was brewed in collaboration with Fork, with Fork Brew Corp. Um, if you get a chance to look up Fork Brew Corp's website, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty great. It's it's very yeah. It's, it's very well done. Um, so so give us all right. So I as far as I know, Fork isn't in Fork Brews on in Australia. Give us a rundown of, of Fork. I know it's not your. Oh uh, yeah, no happy like. Um, so Fork uh, Fork Brew Corp Fork. Um, Fork Brewing is like a brew bar in Wellington, kind of, I guess, small scale. They started out kind of like we did in Browns Bay. Um, the owner was the, um, he owned the malt house as well, which is like the probably OG um, craft beer bar in Wellington, which is, uh, I guess, a big thing because Wellington's the OG craft beer centre of New Zealand. So they're the original of the original. And uh, the brewer at Fork Brew, Brewing is uh, Kelly Ryan, who is, he's uh, a, a legend um, in the New Zealand brewing industry. He's a, a awesome dude. Uh, he... He started out working for DB Brewing Tui. Um, he, I think, moved to, I probably missed some steps, moved to Good George. And uh, Good George is basically the house that Kelly built. So uh, he made this small Hamilton brewery, like one of the biggest and well-respected breweries in New Zealand. Um, and then uh, moved to Fork Brewing. So it's a really small, I guess, thousand litre system, I think they are, mm. uh, with a, I guess, a test brewery. And we, we collaborated last year on the, on the beer for this um, Smith's NZIPA challenge and, and won with, uh, with, brewing it down at his place and so we wanted to do the same this year but brew it at our place and but still I mean still collaborate so 
Um, I was going to hands off that I gave it uh, to one of my, um, well, my uh, assistant brewers. No, he's like, yeah, one American of our, prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My best guy. I, I gave it to my best guy to work at what work out with uh, Kelly what to brew and they like knocked it out of the park and I was like oh yeah this year we're gonna live we, we're gonna do it this year so I'm gonna live up to uh, to that and um, so I wanted to make a hazy Kelly's on the base not a big hazy fan um, so he's he's made the odd one or two, but yeah. He, well, has he got a reason for for not being? Uh he's probably like me. He's a classic brewer. He wants yeah. to make good beer, <laughs> and I, uh, he, he's not he's not a um, uh, I guess trendsetter. He's uh, mm. yeah. Anyway, so we we had a conversation and worked out what we wanted to do with this beer and what we want to throw into it and um uh, yeah came together really well we part of it is i guess the hot hash that we um throw into it mm. so i mentioned earlier that we we're fortunate enough to go to um and do hop selection and go to the hop fields uh and now some like right before lockdown and part of that was going to these factories where they're processing hops and like their conveyors just get glued up with this uh, hop resin and I'm like I'd, I'll put that in beer <laughs> so it's like it's basically hop that hop hash just stuff that like it's oil that sticks to everything and we're like ripping it off this conveyor with a knife trying to like scrape scrape all this hash off and then put it in a bucket and we're like carrying this bucket around town drunk as we we mentioned this our flight because we're like uh <laughs> but we managed to get the hop hash back to back to um the brewery and i always wanted to we we did a beer last year for someone else using it. I was like, oh, I didn't quite use it right. I want to use it differently. I want to use them in the hazy IPA and dry hop with it. And we worked out a process that we could do that with. And that's pretty much where the east side came from. And I mean, uh, the target beer. So it's a uh, New Zealand. It was pretty much brewed for a New Zealand IPA challenge, which is mm. run out of this bar in Queenstown. Um, and typically it's not hazy IPAs. It's like, uh, I guess, West Coast. Classic West. Yeah, West Coast IPA style. Um, I guess now that um, hazy IPAs are a little bit more popular, uh, that's what, what it will be but the I mean the champion beer we we made uh for someone else but that's cool uh and then Eastside was the people's choice winner on the night so yeah I'm almost more pleased to win the people's choice than I am to win, 
to win the champion beer for someone else. (laughs) How long's the the Smith's New Zealand IPA challenge you've been going on for? We were talking about this earlier today, Warren. Maybe like at least two, if not three years. So yeah, last year we won the champion. Well. The Kelly Brood and the the trophy is like a snowboard. So the snowboard <laughs> kicking around the brewery for at least a year. Uh, I think we took it back and then we got a new one back. Hang on, you, hang on. Do you have to put this, give the snowboard back, and then they pass that snowboard on to someone else? Yeah. It's a perpetual trophy. Yeah, you have snowboard. to wax it or something. The trophy's a snowboard. Yeah. That's sick. Do you get your, like your, your brewery's name engraved on the, the side of the snowboard? That's... No, I don't think so. But the, our owners are like, oh, do not lose the snowboard because they're going <laughs> to fucking... They're going to make us buy them a new one. They so yeah. hang the snowboard up in the brewery and hope... Yeah, it was like, it's been sitting the in the tap room for like a year on the... Like, on the Behind all the tats. So you just swap it out for a cheaper, shittier snowboard? <laughs> is, there, is there a thing that is a shitty snowboard? Or uh, no, probably not. So, right. so I, was on, up, I was looking up online if there was something of the equivalent in Australia to this challenge, and I don't think there is. No, nah, we couldn't do it like that. Like Only Kiwis can do like so. So the, the round. Awesome. The, so the story is. There is a New Zealand snowboard challenge in Queenstown, the the epicenter for, for uh, beer, sorry IPA challenge in Queenstown, the epicenter of, of snowboarding in in New Zealand. It's like and the trophy the is a place to get any beer to in the country. It's like the I don't understand the why this greatest thing ever. <laughs> this is why you guys aren't in lockdown anymore. Like you, <laughs> you know how to do shit right. That's next level. Yeah. Or you just all really hard to get to. Is that the message? It's why everything's really the hardest hard to get to. Yeah. Country yeah. to get like it's the most expensive. Say I wanted to send a keg there. I like I can't send one keg there because it would cost me more than the keg's worth to actually get it sent there. It's, yeah, yeah, it's impossible. I don't know how there's a bar there that sells craft beer. That... Well, because well, there's snowboarders. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's that's <laughs> a lot of money. Like so. build or build it, and they will go. Who knows? That's mm. that's remarkable. Yeah, one that one that Is has it, a national I'm, competition. I'm on I'm on the brewing side. I'm on the sales. So. And I looked at the number of entrants. It looks like it looks like yeah, a oh, mate. Pretty impressive crew of breweries. Like. It's like the cream of the cream from yeah, uh, yeah. New Zealand, for sure. Like the judges and the entrants are like all my mates. They're like the. Oh, is, the is that how you cream. won? The judges are your mates. Just, <laughs> yeah. oh, the, the judges are everyone's mates. <laughs> yeah, like we, it's a small world in New Zealand. We're all like, uh, yeah, it's the cream of the cream. Is uh, definitely. Uh, interest that way. I've yeah. got. I want to. I want to go back to to hop hash because we've we've had this come up before, um, and and then previous times, at previous times it sounded like a brick of of hop hash, um, so that's that feels like a slightly different story, and for me when that story came around, it sounded like it was this the hop sweepings from a processing plant. And now what you're telling me is it pretty much is the hop sweepings from uh, processing. It legit oh. is, but it's the best bit. It's the concentrated resin, the like 
the most yeah, yeah, like the hash mo- <laughs> yeah it's the most flavor that's all the flavor parts concentrated that would normally just go to waste you're you you're dabbing your beer and it looks like that as well. I mean, like, it looks like it's, something um, I've made this, like, like you, has anyone here been to a hop harvest before? Uh, like, yeah. Uh, who do we know who can get us into one of those? Is, that the mo- is it not the most amazing thing you've ever seen? Like, the machines they have to harvest this stuff. It's like, it's legitimately the, I'm... Um, kid in the candy store when i say that yeah uh, it's a different world it's like yeah. they're like actually processes stuff that's it's used what for uh five percent of the year uh, you've got mm. like this capital expenditure that's massive for the machinery and it's used for like a couple of months a, a blink of, no not even not even a couple of months it's mm. a blink of an eye so, yeah, it's ri- ridiculous how how seasonal the it is, and uh, it's one of those things like you can't you can't make this beer without like well you can't get this ingredient without being on site like the the reason we got it was because we were there. I was like, oh well, this that looks like some pretty good ingredient going around your conveyor. Can we scrape it off with a knife and put it in a bucket and take it back to Auckland and brew with it? And yeah, like, oh yeah, we've, uh, we've done that maybe a couple of times before for people. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I want that. We'll make a, we'll make a beer out of that. It's a, an awesome opportunity. And it's like such an intense flavor this stuff that you, you can't, it's, it's just a, a novel ingredient. I can't believe it's not a, it should be a thing. It's, it, but yeah, it should be a product. It's not a product. It's uh, literally become, come about because of a, an opportunity because we were on site. So, have, you, have, have you already tied it up? Like, have you, have you said next oh, week? No, the, I think NZ Hops are kind of offering a, um, uh, uh, scrapings of there because they will obviously see way more of that stuff than we would. Mm. So they're offering it as a product now. So, which is cool. It's a good thing. Uh, the more this like concentrated weird product, <laughs> the better. It, and yeah, it's got such a concentration of flavor. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, this leads on to the next question. I suspect this will, I suspect you've probably answered it with that hot hash thing. So if you browse through the, the deep Creek, um, list of list of beers, uh, you do a fresh hopped, you do a fresh hopped, um, uh, beer. Well, we've got one of your fresh hopped beers. Fresh hop. Yeah. And you and you're using and current and your website says you're currently using the the Nelson Savant IP uh, hops in that one. I'm assuming they're fresh mm. hops. Is that so? Is that is that one of the key differences? The hop as opposed to fresh hops in the in between uh, and I guess the hash is kind of like 
a different product. So brush shops, uh, um, oats, another unique product that you can only really get one time of year. Hop hash is kind of the same. It's a unique product you can only get one time of year, but no one else has thought to use it. I don't know. It's weird. It seems like a, we're not the first to do it. Can't be. Uh, but it's like a, it's like a waste product, right? It's yeah. the stuff that coats all the conveyors. It's mm -hmm. like a problem for the, the harvest guys. They're like, uh, I'm getting like all, constantly scraping the shit off. The yeah. Side I'm getting all this shit stuck to my conveyor. I need to scrape it off. And we're like, that's the shit we want to use. That's, that's, that is the shit. Um, so we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. And as I mean, as I said, we've made beers with this stuff before for other people, but it, I can't see why it's not like a, a regular, more, like a regular well, product. Yeah, more well used product. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Uh, there you go. Weird. But yeah, it was, uh, I mean, as I say, we made one of these beers last year and it was awesome. My favorite, probably my favorite beer of the year last year. Um, with someone else's, but mm, I don't care. Yeah. I like a beer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you still, and so, yeah. And so that's why I wanted to use it for, uh, it was a, a classic option for NZIPA challenge. It's a no brainer for us to throw that in and, I'm also yeah, interested, okay. just just quickly. Um, so so you've, this has been the you you brought up an interesting point and one that we can't touch on occasionally with the podcast. So it, the OG one, a thousand liter system, and mm -hmm. how so and your batch, how big was it and how much difference does it make going between? between like those size, size of batch um yeah, like we we talk because breweries we talk to they often say all right we do a test batch on our little guy and then we and then we amped it up on the full size and it can it's 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 a different beast but yeah did you yeah. find you guys find uh we we don't fuck around with this uh test batch bullshit <laughs> <laughs> our test batch is 2000 liters uh, yeah we uh when well from my perspective uh, the time it takes to make a 50 liter batch is basically the same time it makes the time it takes to make a 2000 liter batch. So why fuck around? Um, and if it's shit, we'll dump it. If it's good, we'll sell it. So mm, it's a no brainer to not waste your time on. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll back ourselves. Well, I'll be back to make a test batch at 2,000 litres, basically, which is um, where we had misses, obviously. Mm. Um, but our hits have been pretty decent. So I get, I, I'm fortunate to be back to be allowed misses. So how, how, how many times have you missed? How many times have you missed? Uh, how many yeah. I, I a few beer have you dumped? <laughs> uh, uh, no, we we dump stuff all the time because we care about the quality. So mm -hmm. yeah, we I'm 
happy to admit that we dump stuff all the time because I care way more about uh, quality than I do about um, putting out shit beer and trying to tell people it's a um, silk purse. So yeah, we 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 dump a lot of beer because um, well we dump beer a lot, but yeah, not. Not a lot of beer, but yeah, we we're not going to put out shit. And yeah, we um, heard from Sierra and Nevada the other day that they dump a lot of beer over there. So unless you, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. I, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm happy to admit that we we dump a lot of beer because what what am I supposed to do? Put out shit and tell people that they're <laughs> then drinking they're they're wrong that. Couldn't be more right. Plain. Yeah. It's like, oh no, 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 you're wrong. It's like, no, you're a hundred percent right. It's bullshit. We mm-hmm. fucking we dump the rest of it. So, sorry. So, so the thing you'd like from Deep Creek is the next sort of gifty would be a giant dump valve that you can just sort of, you know. Uh, no, we. It's. A, a <laughs> we've got. Tongue. We've already got that, mate. It's a fucking <laughs> valve on the bottom of the tank. They've all got. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We um no. I mean, we we don't dump stuff all the time, but when we've but, got shit beer, we'll dump it. Cause, yeah, no, and yeah. and having an eye to quality is exactly why people yeah. want to taste. I'm years. 100% not ashamed to dump beer because it means we respect our customers. We don't want them to come back to us and say, hey, this beer, uh, normally your beer is good, but this beer is shit. So, well, also, as a publican, I'm always happy to say that the, the reason why I'm happy to take deep creek beers without even having a sample first is that i know the level of quality that comes out of the brewery yeah. and there's other breweries where you go well sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad the you don't take things from i've tried to tell other breweries that i didn't like their beer and when they're trying to defend it to me when i know it's shit it's like well what are you i mean i'm just i'm just saying man it's shit and you're like trying to tell me it's not shit. It's like, mm. well, I think I've got a pretty good sense of taste. So uh, maybe your sense of taste is shit or you're just trying to fucking defend something that you shouldn't be. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No. I'm, and I'm really lucky that I'm backed up to do that. So I wouldn't be able to do that without the ownership we've got. So they want to make good beer. They want me to make good beer and I'm empowered to do the best I can. So if we want to dump beer, um, it's always a conversation, but they're they're on board. They want to make the best beer too because, you know, if we put out shit three months down the line, um, everyone's fucking dealing with complaints. So we might as well cut the cord when we can. So... Um, so I think we're gonna yeah let's I do think it. On, on that note let's move on to the paradise for those in the zoom room that are still with us and still drinking uh feel free to crack open your can because this is an amazingly cracking beer um i will oh there's a few people that are pouring their beers into glasses and uh, um hamish Let's uh, let's start off on uh, the the triple dry hop process. Of this, beer. Yeah. this is 
This is an amazing beer. And, and obviously when you, when you crack the can open and you pour it into your glass, you can tell why this is one awards. Like it is just brilliant. Like, uh, take us away, mate, and tell us about, um, the process and how this beer came about. Yeah. So I, I guess the, um, progenitor precursor for this beer was the, out of the Haiku range. So the Haiku, um, and we wanted to, I guess, max it out. So we, um, we want to add hops at as early and as often as we could. So that's where the triple dry hop came about. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess, uh, when I say it's a pretty standard double IPA, it's a double IPA with the fuck ton of hops. Um, and yeah, the hazy, like super soft, uh, a lot of biotransformation. So that's all we're going with again with the triple dry hop is trying to get as much biotransformation as possible as possible and dry hopping it as early as we can i think it's just like a two-day dry hop which is pretty hard to get in the fermenter if you imagine a fermentation of four thousand liters in a four thousand liter tank it's pretty active you like open that and it's foam already coming at you so so much co2 in solution you throw like 10 kgs of hops at it and it and wants to wants to gush out the out the top of the fermenter, so it's it's pretty difficult to actually get the hops in there that early. Um, but yeah, we we make people do it, so they do it. <laughs> <laughs> make people get up there in their house. Yeah, I, I said, like put yeah. them in there and hope for two, the best. Two days, make it happen, and yeah, they do it. No one's died yet, so. Well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect a yeah. <laughs> as, long as, yeah. as long as no one's died yet, we're, we're all good. Um, you, you said this sort of was bred out of the haiku range. Is, is this going to become a bit of a, bit of a staple with Deep Creek? Is it going to... It's, um, it's interesting. Uh, I guess a lot of, uh, a lot of what we do out of this range is driven by exports to China. So, um, yeah, I guess the, the drive uh, or the increase in what we're making hazy is a response to our export markets. So they'll, right, we're, we're sending containers a month to, to China of this hazy IPA and we say, Oh, we've got this hazy IPA. Right. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. So, um, the, again, this is based on that. And then, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll make it all the time as long as we can tell it. Uh, and, like- I mean, Australia is a big market as well. So experience that, and we like, we'll take it too. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, 
That's why. That's why my can looks different to yours. So, I was, I was, I, so that was going to be my next question because when you held up your can before, it was. Yeah. Um, uh, we had we, different to. Yeah. We had an issue with uh, another brewery in New Zealand that has that as one of the one of their brands, and we're like, oh, sorry, they're one of uh, McLeods. They're one of our really good friends, so they have a parallel called Paradise. So we had to rename to Utopia. Is this uh, um is this the only time in Deep Creek's history that you've had to rebrand something for? Uh, oh, put you on to, the spot. We didn't have to rebrand it. We're like, um, no, it, we've had issues in the past with other stuff, but uh, they're really good friends of ours. They're like, uh, yes. Uh, Maybe not our nearest neighbours, but their neighbours in um, Northland. So uh, we get on really well. We want to fuck them off. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, have, we haven't spoken <laughs> to say, I'm not involved in the naming of things. But <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get to object to stuff. So. You're the like, scientist. Uh, yeah. You're the guy yeah, that we, we can't. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, no. That, uh, the the brewing brewing industry is pretty collegial. We're all good friends, so I don't want to. Which is kind of the yeah. same with with other breweries we've spoken to on the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the was, session, I mean, they all say the same thing that um, yeah, you know, it's such a tight knit community where you are, and yeah, you know, that makes. Perfect. I mean, it's a it's purely a mistake on our part and we're all we're we're like oh well, we've printed the labels we don't want to we'll, we'll send them to going, australia all going overseas we, we yeah exactly we don't see much to australia anyway so we don't want to we don't want to i've got just a quick question on on china china um I didn't occur to me that there's a craft beer market in China. It just didn't occur to me because, like, I don't know, because I'm a little bit racist, maybe. Who knows? Who's drinking Deep Creek hazy beers in China? Are the Chinese? Is it an expat community? Is it, am I... Uh, I believe it's the Chinese. I, what? yeah, where I... Is it now? Uh... Our sales and marketing guy has been over there for um, events and stuff. Uh, I believe it's the Chinese. Like the, I mean, it's a, it's a big market, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I believe our billion people. Uh, there's a bunch of um, love cloudy people. Importer over there is purely Beijing. So um, wow, I went into craft beer bars taking, in Shanghai that were purely just you know overseas craft beer market like uh, like us yeah. new zealand it was just a bar that was set up in shanghai that was purely just craft beer from outside of that area it, it's um, there there is a massive craft beer market that's in incredible. china and and unless you well, I, I shouldn't i shouldn't unless you're there you don't actually get to see it so you don't and i shouldn't have realized 
like like uh, in Hong Kong, there's an amazing natural wine market. Like it is incredible. Mm. Like there's uh, but there's there's an amazing wine market in Hong Kong. Full stop. But yeah, well, like natural wines they go nuts for. So I don't know why craft beer and hazy beers weren't weren't in that sphere. No, mate. We're sitting forty foot of hazy IPA to China every month. Basically. Yeah. So so just to get us back on track so before we sort of move on to our traditional cool room questions which david will ask can you hamish can you give us a bit of a bit of a tasting notes session on what we should be uh tasting in relation to the paradise it's it's a full-on beer and it's it's tasty as hell it's a big beer yeah um <laughs> i should probably taste it uh <laughs> uh it should be like big Mango, tropical fruit, passion fruit. Yeah, it's and soft bitterness. That's what I'm expecting. A bit of that mangoey stuff going through that sort of, oh, I always call it more stewy sort of tropical fruits, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, sweaty, sweaty tropical fruit. Like yeah. uh, something that's been in the back of your car while you've been out shopping or something and you come you've back been shopping, you've clearly been shopping with me before there's a pineapple i left a pineapple on my back seat and a uh, student son yeah, yeah. it's, it's when i go to paradise. the i go to the vic markets and i buy what i need to buy and then i remember that i need to get something down the street so i go down to office yeah, works and get it definitely like an overripe mango yeah you know what if you're in the zoom room with us on a thursday night with the brewers then you get to hang out and ask these questions. So, Travis, what I'm giving you is my special little wave, which means that in a second we're going to cut off the uh, recording and then everyone who's in the room can talk freely amongst themselves and know they're not going to be recorded. We can talk about breweries, we can talk about brewers, we can talk about all sorts of things. But I want to do a couple of thank yous before I start to move on to that bit. So, uh, first of all, and obviously... Hamish, thanks to you uh, for being online tonight. You've been on for a couple of hours with us. You're on before we even started recording. Um, your time has been so generously given, and I oh really, really appreciate that. The- no problem. I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. So, yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. A pleasure. The beers have been magnificent, and um, and I guess I've got to say on that front as well, First of all, a big thank you to Ryan and all the team from Experience, once again, for making sure that those beers have arrived in such top-notch, fresh fashion. And um, Ryan, no matter what background you've put up behind you, no matter what shirt you've worn tonight, no matter what other things you've done to distract me, your your support of the podcast a couple of times over has been fantastic. Um, I look forward to hearing what uh, what brewers you want to bring on to the podcast next? We have screenshots of uh, Ryan's backgrounds as well, David. So we can put. Oh, that that's up. excellent. That's, there's, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of uh, work we can do on that one. Well, how about I just put a bow on it, as we say in the wrestling industry, and we'll just we'll wrap up this bit of the night. Again, thank you to everyone who's been in the room with us tonight. We all get to sit around and have a yarn or two with Hamish and, uh, well, also with Ryan, with everyone else who's been part of the experience of getting this happening. And Luke as well, thank you to you for making sure that this happened. And um, we get to sit around and have a couple of beers tonight, which is absolutely grouse fun for us. And um, if you haven't done that as part of the your cool room experience, 
please do so. If you haven't followed Isthmus on the social medias, and uh, please go and do that. Do the same for Deep Creek. Please go and do the same for The Cool Room. And um, if you're wondering what's coming up next on The Cool Room, well, the next couple of uh, podcasts that we're going to be doing live will be with Kaiju and then with Torboy and Moose. You can see me at the Royal Mail on Spencer in West Melbourne, uh, where we're open only at the moment from 12 to 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoons, where you can pick up your tasting packs. Um, please give us a shout out by uh, making sure on the social medias you've advertised where you are tonight. I think more people tonight have actually done that. And a huge shout out to everyone who's helped us out by doing that. It makes a huge difference if I'm paying for, uh, you know, the Royal Mail or the podcast to get, you know, exposure. It's a hundred bucks a throw. You guys have made a big difference to that. So thank you for that already doing that feel free to do it again or not do it again tomorrow and um we're going to stop pressing record and we're going to start to sit around and have a chat amongst all of ourselves thanks so tasting much pack this week was pretty awesome yeah yes. thanks so much for having me on because uh i mean i, no, love, mate, we're, I love to we're, talk beer i love to talk beer so we're honored uh, to have a, a brewer like you genuinely you've answered um, I think the best thing about tonight, from my point of view, is to have so many IPAs and other things, that I you know, and, and hazies, mm -hmm. and be able to get those differences between all of them. It's a pretty special... Sweet special I mean... Let's finish there. Right. Done and done.